Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. As we get started this morning, I want to ask you a question. How many of you would say that you are good at like fixing stuff? Anybody good? Good at fixing stuff? Raise your hand. It's all right. You can brag a little bit. It's fine. How many of you though would say, if I have YouTube, I can fix most things? Anybody would say that? Yeah. I don't know how you fixed anything before YouTube. Uh, Just like whenever I started driving, I'm not sure how you got anywhere without Google Maps. You know, Uh, when I first started driving, uh, you would get online, you would print off MapQuest. You know what I'm talking about? Um, so anyway, I don't, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but um, anyway, with YouTube, I feel like I can fix uh, most things. So at my house right now, we have um, an issue and we need to fix our back deck that's on the back of our house. Like it is, it's, it's bad, it's rotted out, it's, it's dangerous at this point. And so I've had different companies come by to look at it, give me a quote on what it would take to, to fix this problem. And uh, after having two or three companies come by and give me a quote, I've decided, you know what? How hard can it be, right? I think I can fix this with the help of YouTube. And so that's what I've been doing. I've decided I'm gonna fix this, I'm, I'm going after it. And I've been watching YouTube videos, I've been watching HGTV, and I've got kind of a game plan in place. And I know that the first step is you gotta rip out the old deck, right? You gotta go demo day, chip gains style, get the sledgehammer and the crowbar, and you gotta rip out the old deck. And I'm excited about that part, that's the fun part. It's the rebuilding part that I'm nervous about, you know? Um, That's the part that I'm, so I guess what I'm saying, if if you're handy and uh, you wanna come over to my house sometime and bring a saw and a hammer, I would use your help. Anyway, so it's the rebuilding part that I'm kind of nervous about. Just recently, I had to fix the flapper on my toilet, you know, that makes it flush. And it only took me three trips to Lowe's, but I finally got it, all right? So I think with YouTube, I think I can, I think I can do it. But I've, I've noticed HGTV, YouTube, has taught me that in order to repair something, you first have to demo out what was there right? Demo comes first. And really, as we jump into our text this morning in the book of Amos, that's what Amos has been about. It's been about the demolition or the demo of the house of Israel, right? But, but this morning, something, something changes. And it's, it goes from demo day, right, to God restoring and repairing the house. That's what we're going to see. So if you have a Bible, open it with me to Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9. So today we're going to finish the book of Amos. This is now our fourth week. And uh, as we get to chapter 9, like I said, things kind of change a little bit. So where we've been the past three weeks is Amos has been this book that's all about destruction and judgment. And you got this guy, Amos, who he's not a professional preacher or a prophet or anything. He's a farmer from the south. And he's from Judah, but he goes up to Israel, the kingdom in the north, and he tells them, um, you're going to be wiped out. Like, destruction is coming for you. And as he's telling them this, he uses this phrase a lot. He uses this phrase, he says, in that day, over and over throughout the book of Amos. And every time he's talking about it, up until this point, 
It's all been a bad stuff. Like the day of judgment is coming. God is gonna pour out his wrath and his judgment upon you because of your sin and your rebellion and, and whatnot. And so he, he, he's, he's used that phrase a lot. Today though, he's gonna, he's gonna use that phrase again as we read these last few verses of the chapter. It's gonna say in that day, but it's not talking about destruction and judgment. It's talking about something good. It's talking about the day of salvation, a day will, when, when God will come in and restore and, and make things new, a day when demo day is over and the house is restored. And just quite honestly, like this text is tough. Like we're, we're getting into some kind of heady type area um, this, just this week, like just studying, going, okay, what do we do with this passage has been a bit of a challenge. And so before we jump into it, I would like us to pray and set our hearts and our minds in the right direction. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for all of us. And as I do that, I want to invite you to pray for yourself and ask God that in this moment for the next 30-ish minutes or so that he would speak to you. So I'm going to pray and you pray for yourself. God, we just wanna, we wanna pause and we wanna ask that through your word and through your spirit that you would speak to us. Like in a supernatural way that you would reveal truth to us, that, that scripture would challenge us and mold us and make us more into the likeness of Jesus and that we would have the, the boldness and the courage to respond in whatever it is that you're laying on our hearts. But God, today, Right now, we ask that you would speak, that you would show us a glimpse of your glory as we just sing about together. We love you, and we're listening. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Amos chapter 9. Look at verse 11 with me. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. It says, In that day, I will restore the fallen shelter of David. I will repair its gaps, restore its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name. This is the declaration of the Lord. He will do this. Verse 13, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the one who treads grapes, the sower of seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. They will rebuild and occupy ruined cities, plant vineyards and drink their wine, make gardens and eat their produce. I will plant them on their land and they will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. The Lord your God has spoken, right? And so that's how this book ends, right there. Like that is the last words of, of this book. As we walk through this text this morning, I'm kind of a note taker, and so I think it's easy if, if we have some different things to look at. And so I wanna show you three promises that I think that we see out of this text. So if you're a note taker, follow along. Number one, God promises to repair the tent. God promises to repair the tent. We see that in verse 11. It says, in that day I will restore the fallen shelter of David. And that's, that's super interesting because normally in the Bible, um, it's called the house of David, right? You've heard that. Like throughout, throughout scripture, we hear of the house of David. And again, whenever we think of house today, we might think of Joanna Gaines or Chip Gaines or something like that. But in the Bible, the house is a people. 
The house is a family. It's the people of God. It's Israel, okay? But here, he doesn't call it the house of David. He calls it a broken down tent. That's, a, that's what that word shelter there in the text means. It means tent. And what this was, it was a simple frame with like some branches thrown up on top. It's just a makeshift type of shelter to shelter you from the sun or from, from elements or different things like that, but it's nothing nice, it's nothing fancy. And so what, what, what's happening, right? Remember, the whole book of Amos has been about the justice of God being poured out on the house of David. The justice of God being poured out on Israel. In fact, verse nine of chapter nine says, says, for I'm about to give the command and I will shake the house of Israel. What we've seen so far through the judgment that's been pronounced against the house of David, the house of Israel, is God cannot tolerate sin. Their rebellion and their sin demands a response from a holy God. God can't tolerate sin. In fact, he wouldn't be God if he could, right? He can't tolerate sin. But he says in verse eight, however, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob. So in this moment, like we see both the justice of God towards sin and we see his compassion towards people. He says, I'm gonna shake the house, but I'm not going to totally destroy it. So the picture here that we see, the nation of Israel was once an impressive house, but now it's just a pathetic, broken tent. And it's like, we, we're, we're left reading this going, but why, why leave anything at all? Like, you've just spent eight chapters talking about how you're going to wipe them out. Like, why leave anything at all? Why didn't God just kind of bulldoze the whole house? And it goes back to a promise that God made with King David. He made a promise to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that says this. This is, a, this is a big moment. This is called the Davidic covenant, all right? If you want some Bible language, this is a big one. Verse 16, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. That's what God is telling King David, that your house will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. And so here in Amos chapter 9, instead of destroying them, he promises to restore them. Okay, and that's what we see, verse 11 says, in that day, Amos 9, 11, I will restore the fallen shelter of David. I will repair its gaps. I will restore its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. My dad is, uh, he's currently working on restoring his first car ever. Like he got it as a 16 year old. It was a 1967 Pontiac Firebird. This thing is sweet, right? Or at least it used to be. Um, he, he, he drove it a couple of years um, after he, after he was driving it, um, the clutch went out, and so he parked it in my uncle's pasture for years, right? And it, it just sat out there, and it rusted out, and like the goats would climb on it and stuff. I mean, it was, it was bad. And I remember as a kid, the day that we went out to my uncle's pasture, loaded this old car up onto a trailer and brought it home because my dad wanted to restore it, right? And he's been working on it ever since. It's still not finished, but he, he's had to like cut out all the rust. He's had to rip out all the wiring. He's taken, you know, everything about it needed to be touched. It needed to be restored. And so again, he's not finished with it, but man, it's looking awesome. Like it's been to a professional bodybuilder. He's fixed all the rusty spots. It's got a paint job on it that's like, could be in a magazine. I mean, he, he's replacing the wiring and the motor. It's all being built back 
new, right? But the point here is that whenever you're restoring something, maybe you've done a project like this or, or something, you know that when you're restoring something, it starts with a process of stripping away the brokenness and then building it back new, right? And that's what God's doing here to the house of David, that the rot and the sinfulness had to be ripped away. If he was going to repair their brokenness, he was gonna have to strip the house down to the studs and rebuild them. And the same is true for each and every one of us. So we need to understand that brokenness is a prerequisite for repair. It takes brokenness in order to repair something. And the truth about it is, is that each and every one of us is broken. The Bible teaches that each one of us have this problem called sin, that sin separates us from a holy God, that God is just, he can't look upon sin. He has to deal with it, right? In fact, scripture says that you and I are dead in our sin, that we have this problem, that we are broken. But whenever we recognize that, see the first step to restoration and repair is understanding your brokenness, like coming to a moment of realization of just going, I am broken, I am sinful, he is holy, I am not. And when you do that and you turn to him, he then promises to restore you. He says, I will restore your brokenness. I'm not throwing you away, I'm not forgetting you, I'm, I'm building you back, you're not too far gone, right? But notice, it's him who does the work. He says, I will restore. I will repair. You don't do that on your own. You have no capability of repairing or restoring yourself. You bring the brokenness. He's in the business of restoration, right? So we don't clean ourselves up and then come to God. Sometimes you'll hear people say that, like my life is just too messed up and he'll never accept me the way that I am. Listen, no, he takes broken things and he makes them new. And so you're not too broken. You're not too far gone. God says, I will restore your brokenness. You need to know and you need to hear this morning that our God is in the business of restoration. He is. He restores, he repairs, and he rebuilds. Aren't you thankful for that? That's good news. And so in this moment, like God promises to rebuild the tent and he says, as in the days of old, remember, he's always called it the house of David. So I'm going to rebuild it back into a house. And then the second promise we see, number two, is God promises to fill the house. He's going to repair the broken tent, turn it back into a house, and he's going to fill the house. Verse 12. But, but the way that he's going to fill the house of David is surprising, right? If you remember from last week, we were talking about um, seeking the Lord. Remember, Amos told the nation, he says, as a nation, like you are doomed. And we know that Assyria comes in and wipes them out just 20 years after he gives them this. And like the nation is doomed. But he says, as individuals, you can turn to God. Individuals, he says, seek the Lord and live. And God is going to maintain what's called a remnant or, or a leftover Group Amos 5.15 says, hate evil and love good, establish justice at the city gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph or the remnant of Israel. And as we're reading that, like that makes sense. That God's always loved his people. He's always loved his people, the house of, of Israel. And so it makes sense that he is going to maintain a small group of them for himself, Right? In Amos chapter 9, though, it's interesting. It's surprising. 
The remnant that's mentioned here is surprising. Amos 9.12, look at that. He says that the, the rebuilt house of David will, says, possess the remnant of Edom. All right? The remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name. And it's interesting because the whole book has been about Israel. And now he starts talking about outsiders and, and other nations. And if you're somebody in Israel at this time, Edom is like shocking. I know to us sitting here in 2022 in Conway, Arkansas, we're like, I don't know what Edom is, don't really care, right? But to them, they're going, that is a big stinking deal because listen, Edom was a real nation that was known for being an enemy of God and of the people of Israel. They hated God. In fact, David talks about it in the Psalms that, that the Edomites are declaring, destroy Jerusalem down to its foundations. Like they're enemies of God. They hated God, they persecuted Israel. And throughout the Bible, Edom or the Edomites that come from Esau, right? We're kind of nerding out on the Bible a little bit right now. They represent all nations, all humanity. And so the point here is that someday, all nations, all people will be invited into the house of God. And that's been God's plan from the beginning. If you remember the promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, what did he say? He said, he said through you, Abraham, through your descendants, all the people of the earth will be blessed. All the people. And so it's been his plan from the very beginning for Jews and Gentiles or, or non-Jews to be united under the name of the Lord. And now we're starting to see that here in Amos chapter nine, that the remnant of Israel in chapter five, verse 15, and the remnant of Edom, chapter nine, verse 12, living as family in the house that God is rebuilding. And so you're sitting there going, that, that's cool. What does that mean for me, right? Acts chapter 15, I think answers that for us. See, in Acts 15, Jesus has, um, he's come to this earth, he, he has died. He died on a cross and then he, he, he rose from the dead and then he walked around for several days and then he ascended into heaven. And so after that, after his ascension, well, Peter and Paul and all the boys are preaching the gospel all over the place and a lot of people are coming to know the faith. They're coming to trust Jesus for salvation. And so these Jewish guys are left with this question going, well, what do we do with this? Like, can, can people who aren't Jews, can they actually be made whole with God? Like, do people need to first become a Jew before they become a Christian, was the question. And in Acts chapter 15, there's something that's called the Jerusalem Council, where they got together to kind of talk it out. And Acts 15 says this. We see, we see James, he's the half-brother of Jesus. He speaks up to this issue, and he quotes Amos chapter 9. He says... After they stopped speaking, James responded, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has reported how God first intervened, or basically from the beginning, God planned to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree. He's talking about Amos. The words of the prophets agree with this. As it is written, after these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. See, James is quoting Amos to say that through Jesus Christ, every single person is invited 
into the house of God. Every single person. And so don't miss it this morning. We are the remnant of Edom. That's us. All of humanity, all nations, all people invited into the house of God. We are the ones who were once enemies of God, Romans 5 says. But we've now been invited into the house. How? Well, Amos told us last week how. He says, he says that if we will seek the Lord, we will live. And so if you remember this house that God is rebuilding... He's rebuilding it because he made a promise to David back in 2 Samuel chapter seven. Again, the the big moment, he says, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever. Your throne will be established forever, okay? He's saying, God is saying, David, through your family line, I'm establishing a house and I'm establishing a kingdom and a throne that will reign and rule forever. And it will reign and rule over all the nations of the earth forever. And so you're sitting there going, well, who is that going to be? Because we know that David died. We know that Solomon died. Like we know that the people came at, so who is it? Luke chapter one, verse 31. The angel Gabriel speaks to this teenage girl named Mary. And he says this. He says, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. See, Jesus is the promised one. He's he's from the line of David. He's the one that comes in and rebuilds the house, the people of God and establishes it forever. And we, you and I, are invited into the house. We're invited into the family of God. And that's the good news of the gospel that we come here every Sunday to celebrate, right? That broken people far from God, separated from God, have been invited into the house, not based off of anything that you and I could do, but on his goodness, that the God of all creation put on skin and bone, stepped into this earth, lived a life that we could never live, went to a Roman cross, willingly laid down his life, died, was buried and then rose again three days later. And when he came bursting out of the grave alive, he offers us life. And if you and I will turn to him, the Bible says that we will be saved, right? Turn to him, trust him with your whole life. Seek the Lord and live, Amos says. And when you do, well, you're in the family. You're in the, you're in the house. And so we, The people of God, united under the name of Jesus, are the house of God. The church, right? The church. The church isn't a building, it's not a place, you've heard that. The church is a people. It's the people of God, the family of God, coming together under the banner of King Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. And I wonder if we fully understand the weight of that. Like, I I wonder if we understand the weight of what it is we do here together. See, I think the world that we live in, this whole thing is just so easy. And I actually think convenience has made us casual. It's just so easy to be a Christian today. I mean, think about it. You, You have 
24-7 access on your phone to the inspired Word of God. It's in your pocket, you know? It's just so easy. You probably have 15 copies of it sitting at home that you don't really touch. We come into this place and it's nice and it's beautiful and sing a few songs and then we leave. We're not gonna be persecuted when we leave. We're not, you know, like it's just, it's easy. And so we like the programs, we like the, the thing and if I'm not busy, I'll be back next week, you know? And we're just casual. And when I say we, I'm not necessarily talking about you, but maybe you, but I'm talking about like us, capital C church. Like we are just, we're just casual. I don't think we fully understand the weight of what it means to be the house of God, to be the family of God. Like friends, understand, we are the remnant of God that he is rebuilding. And that's worth leveraging your whole life for. That's worth leveraging everything for. And so sure, whenever it comes to church involvement, like attendance, actually showing up, serving, giving, being in a small group, like linking arms with other brothers and sisters and saying, we are chasing God together and I need your help. And when I fall, I need you to pick me up and I'm, I'm gonna promise to do the same for you. Like this is a, it's a big deal what we're doing here together and we're doing it all for the sake of a world that is broken and needs restoration. What we're doing here is a big deal. I, I pray that we understand the weight of it. And so what we see here is there's a surprising people fill the house, people who are enemies of God, and he invites us in. That's us. We're invited in. We fill the house, and then God actually goes one step further. The third promise is this. Number three, God promises a permanent home. So we've gone from a broken tent to a house that's being rebuilt to now a permanent home in verses 13 through 15. See, earlier in the book of Amos, Amos chapter four, verse six through 11, there's this moment where God's talking about all these different things that he's brought on the house of Israel, disease and uh, famine and drought and striking their plants with blight and mildew, basically just disease of their plants and, and death of loved ones, like all that came upon them in these moments. They were also told like these beautiful houses that you're building because of your sin, because of how you're treating the poor and how you're treating, you're never gonna get to move into that house. But here, as the story ends, as the book ends, something changes. And he says the, the days are coming when plowmen will overtake the reaper, mountains will drip with sweet wine, Basically, the point of that is to say that they're going to have more crops, more wine than they know what to do with. That the cycles of usually planting and then growing and then, and then harvesting, all that's just going to overlap because they're going to have so much work to do gathering crops that they can't even get them gathered before new crops start growing. Like it's just, it's a picture of prosperity and God's abundance on them. They're not lacking a thing. And then you get down to verse 15 and he says this, he says, I will plant them on their land, and they will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. The Lord your God has spoken. See, the final words of God in this book is, I will plant them, and they'll never be uprooted. In other words, he's saying, I'm taking you to your forever home. To your forever home. 
What an amazing promise is that? That he rebuilds this tent into a house, and then he promises more than that, prosperity and a forever home. Have you ever um, maybe gone on a vacation or something like that and you stay in an Airbnb house? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I've, I've gone on a few trips where we stay in some really nice Airbnbs, um, you know, gone to Nashville and stayed like in this three-story like house that overlooks downtown kind of a thing. The pictures as you're going, like you're super excited to get there and check it out and what's, what's it going to be like. It's all modern furniture and that kind of thing. It's, it's fun to go to those. I've stayed at one, it was a beach house in Virginia Beach. It was right on the, right on the water, you know, super cool to, to be there. I was excited to go. But if you've ever stayed in one of those, as nice as it is, well, you start to miss your own house, don't you? You start to miss your own bed, your sheets, your shower, uh, the way your TV remote works. Like you just start to, you start to miss it all. It's because that house is nice, but it's not home, you know? It's, it's, not, it's not home. There's a difference between a temporary house and a home. And God here promises a forever home for us. And I, I think our hearts know it. I think, I think we feel it. That's why I think many of us just feel kind of unsettled, right? Just in life in general. Not, not that things are necessarily bad, but like you just feel like there's just something more, just an unsettled type of feeling. It's because we live in the already but not yet situation. The kingdom of God has come, but not fully like we're still... And so we're looking forward to that day whenever we will be with him. This place isn't your forever home. And so you can chase comfort and success and happiness in all of its forms. And at the end of the day, you're never going to find complete satisfaction. Like, sure, there's joy and there's purpose here. But we know that there's more. It's because you're waiting on home. And the promise of God is that it's coming. It's coming. There's a day coming when those who bear the name of Jesus will be with him. We will. We'll be around the throne of David and we'll have all that we need forever. Once you, if you have your Bible, just flip over to Revelation chapter seven as we close. You gotta see this. Revelation chapter seven, we see this remnant. We see the remnant of Israel. We see the remnant of Edom and, and all coming together, all nations, all tribes, all tongues coming together and, and worshiping the Lord, worshiping King Jesus on the throne of David for all of eternity. Revelation chapter, chapter seven, look at verse nine. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, 
And along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people in white robes and where did they come from? I, I said to him, sir, you know. Then he told, he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And for this reason, they are before the throne of God. And they serve him day and night in his temple. And the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them nor will any scorching heat for the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Listen, it may be tough now, but you need to know that renewal and restoration and repair through Christ is on its way. It's on its way. And so this morning, like, how do we respond to this? What, what is the response for us? Well, the invitation of this scripture is this. First, man, you're invited into the house. <laughs> you're invited into the house. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, today, he's inviting you in. Be a part of the family of God. You're not too far gone. You're not too broken. Our God is in the business of restoration. In fact, see your brokenness. Know that brokenness is actually a prerequisite for repair. See your brokenness, turn to him, seek the Lord and live. Cry out to Jesus to save you and he will. Stretch the name of Jesus over your entire life and join the family of God. And some of you, that's your response today. Some of you, you don't know Jesus as your Lord. There's never been a moment where you recognize your brokenness and you come to him with it. But today you can. And just in the best way that you know how and the best way that you understand it, right where you sit, like you can just cry out to this God. Say, God, I know that I'm broken and I know that I'm sinful, but I am hearing today that you restore, that you repair. And I'm asking you to do that. And if you ask him to save you, he will. He will. But maybe you're a Christian and, and, and you, you know that, I want you to ask yourself this morning, how are you living as a part of the house? How are you living as a part of the house of the family of God? Are you all in or are you casual? As the family of God, man, we, we have a job to do, right? And we are invited to join him in the work that he's doing all across our world of restoring and repairing and rebuilding. And we join him in that work until the day that we join him in our forever home. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.